Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 18 of Sword and Spirit, a podcast by First Baptist Church of Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. So at the time of recording, Brett Frazier, our pastor, is actually out of town right now, so I'll be filling in for him today. Uh, And I'm joined in this podcast episode by one of my best friends of all time, Matthew Duncan, who's also our worship leader. What's up, Matthew? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Awesome, awesome. So today we are going to be talking about worship, what it is, what it looks like, all that stuff. So Matthew's the expert on this, not really me. Um, I took one class, but he's taken a whole bunch of classes. So for those of you who don't know, he actually just graduated uh, with his master's in worship leadership. Is that Yes. So it's a it's actually a hybrid worship leadership okay. and theology. So it's a little bit of both of those put Sweet. together. Sweet. Awesome. Awesome. He's also traveled for two years with the Voices of Mobile, doing concerts and, and leading worship in a bunch of different places all over the United States and even some other countries. Um, so he's going to be sharing with us uh, a little bit just from from his experience and just what he's been he's been studying uh, on this topic. So, Matthew, what is worship? So when we're talking about worship, one thing I wanted to kind of start out with is just to, you know, share with everybody, like, when we think of the concept of worship, right, this is something that is common to every person who, that has ever existed or will ever exist. And what that means is that every person worships something or someone, mm-hmm. no matter what religion, no matter what who that, who that person is or what they believe in, they worship something or someone. And for example, you see this in... Um, all, really, all across the world. If you go to, let's say, a you know another country, right? Who is, you know, the the natives there? All right, they are they're kind of they still have a tribal mentality, a tribal culture. They mm-hmm. so if you were to travel there and kind of observe some of their practices and everything, what you find is that they are a little. They, what they will do is they'll have some type of ritual or some type mm-hmm. of practice, whether it be some type of ritual dance or ceremony or something of that matter. But it's it's a ritual and ceremony in a trip and attributing or glorifying or worshiping some type of image or object or person, whether that be in their you know view in their mind, whether it be a physical person or object or something to their minds being spiritual, right? So mm-hmm. every so you have that, but then you have, of course, other religions too that worship somebody or something. But the difference is that as Christians, right, we worship the one true and living God. And that is what, so, so we worship as well, but we worship the true living God, the God of the Bible, who is the creator of the universe and everything in it. And so And again, just wanted to reiterate that point. Everybody worships something, but as Christians, we worship the true and living God. So I would like to start out with that understanding and kind of looking at two different aspects of worship, right? So we're going to, I want to look first at kind of a zoomed out, big picture understanding of worship, Mm -hmm. what it is, and then take a little, and then also look at a second definition, which is a little bit more um, focused Mm -hmm. definition of worship. And that has to do with the context of you know, gathered believers together who are worshiping together on Sunday. So what we would call that corporate, corporate worship, worship, right? So let's look at the, the overall picture, the big picture of worship. So this comes, I want to give you a definition, and this comes from Wayne Grudem from his Systematic Theology 2nd Edition, which actually came out last year, December of 2020. But this is the definition that he gives um, from that. So this is the zoomed out big picture um, definition of worship. So he says, 
And it is rightly said that everything in our life should be an act of worship, and everything the church does should be considered worship, for everything we do should glorify God. So we see here that everything we do in our lives, right? Everything we say, everything we do, everything we uh, we think, all of that really should be, you know, an act of worship to the Lord. It should be we are ascribing glory to God. We are praising His name. We are glorifying God for who He is, and because we were created to worship Him. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But that's that's what we see as a big overall picture: is that every individual believer who also makes up the overall, the universal church, the overall church, right, um, all across the world. And, and so that, all of that, as individual believers, right, we, we, our life should represent and should be an act of worship to the Lord. So now, with that understanding, let's zoom in and focus on the corporate worship aspect of this. So this, all, this definition also comes from Wayne Grudem, and same book, Right, and this is what he says. Worship is the activity of glorifying God in his presence with our voices and hearts. So that's something that we see that that's a little more we, we can understand that more in a, in a practical way. It's okay, okay, this is we glorify God in his presence with our voices and hearts. So so we see this in an outworking in a day-to-day kind of thing, and we see this especially on Sunday for corporate worship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you think, you know, just kind of what you were saying, it, it makes me think back to, you know, you're looking, you look at the creation account, you look back at uh, Genesis, especially like you look back in Genesis 1 at the tail end, it talks about how God made uh, humanity in his own image. And then you skip ahead and you look in, in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about how God, you know, he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Um, and so we see kind of in those first few chapters of Scripture uh, how God created man and how he created man to have a relationship with them. And just, I mean, as you were talking about worship, it reminded me of a uh, not really a definition, more of a description that a, a professor of mine gave. And he said that, you know, when we worship, we're basically we are engaging in it. It's like an, an encounter with God that. Um, that has an impact on 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 the worshiper. So, like if 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 we are worshiping the Lord, we are having an encounter with Him. We are engaging in our relationship with Him, and that in turn impacts us in some way. Uh, I you know at <laughs> yeah. So, Matthew, can you tell a little bit about how? worship impacts us as as the worshiper as the believer yeah absolutely so we have like we, we just talked about that those couple definitions right and, and our understanding of worship and with us where, where we fit into the mix of this is we actually find and i wanted to present something this comes from the westminster larger catechism of 1647 mm-hmm. and it talks about there's a question posed in this this work right and it says what is the chief and highest end of man or mankind humanity right and so what is what is our chief and highest end and this work presents it says it is to to glorify god man's chief and highest end is to glorify god mm-hmm. and fully enjoy him forever right so when we understand that is that we were created to glorify god he created us for himself to glorify him 
Yeah, Scripture tells us that we were created in His image. So as His image bearers, we are bearing witness to God and bear witness to who He is. So yeah. All right, so we just talked about how man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully enjoy Him forever. But let's talk about another important aspect of this understanding, and that is that God alone deserves worship. So if we think about this for a minute, we, we understand that from Scripture we, we read that God is the creator of all the universe and everything in it, which includes us. So He mm-hmm. is our creator and therefore, as his creatures, he de- he deserves worship, right? So he created he created us to worship him because he is our creator. So we worship him, and he deserves that worship because he is the supreme creator, right? He's the one and only God, the supreme creator. So, and we find this. There's several passages in scripture that talk about how God alone deserves worship. But one and today, I just want to particularly highlight is Exodus 20 verses three through six, and this is what it says. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." So here's it's, this is a fantastic passage of the Lord saying, you know, He alone is worthy of worship, and He doesn't want us to worship anything else or anyone else, and right. anything. You're, and you say, well, okay, well, why does He not want us to worship these other things, right? Well, first we have to remember that He alone is God. There's only one true God, and He is completely powerful, completely, you know, completely perfect. He knows all, and so there is no other God except the Lord. But another reason is, uh, absolutely, and so another reason why for this is that anything that we worship besides God is what we call an idol. Mm -hmm. Back in the Old Testament, not the Israelites, but not just the Israelites, but other nations and countries, they they would worship other gods, and the Israelites, sometimes what they would do is they would rebel against the Lord. They Mm -hmm. would rebel against God, and they would go, and they would seek after some type of image or some type of object to worship, uh, and they would disobey God and rebel against Him. And sometimes that they would carve an idol. Such in Exodus, we find the golden calf. In other places, we find right. you know certain images or you know false altars or something of like of that nature that the Israelites turned to away from God, and that became that became their idol. And we think, you know, today in modern or maybe postmodern culture, right, we think, okay, so I don't I don't bow down to, you know, this image. I don't bow down to, you know, I don't have a carved image in my house that I keep of this little, you know, tiki man or woman or thing. Like <laughs> right. something physical, like we don't think about, you know, I don't bow down to that. But then again, anything that we love more than God or anything that we put as a higher prior- priority over God is an idol. Right. And this is not something that we like to think about, including myself. You know, I was like, man, Mm -hmm. like you start self-examining your life and you're like, oh man, well, you know what? I spend more time doing this than spending time with the Lord. I, you know, I have a higher priority of this in my life over the Lord. And so those things, those are idols. And so, and so this is kind of comes from the idea that, and again, that if we have that, so if we, if we under, if we examine our lives and we see that in our lives, 
then we are worshiping those idols. And the Lord mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't want us to worship those idols. In fact, he won't have it, right? So we find in Scripture that <laughs> God right. says he's a jealous God, mm-hmm. right? He's, he's jealous for, uh, for, for his glory, for his worship. And I do want to make sure that I clarify that, yes, we are created to worship God, but he does not need our worship. And that's an important understanding that we have to, to, to really perceive from Scripture is that the Lord doesn't need our worship because He's completely right. powerful and, and, the, and He has, you know, there's complete joy and fellowship within the Trinity, you know, being God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we'll, t- we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in, in this, but there's, you know, perfect fellowship w- within the Trinity that happens already that was even before God created the world. So there really is, you know, he doesn't need our worship, but he, he desires, you know, he wants us to worship him. He wants us to know him in a personal way. And so that's, that's another reason why he does not want us to turn to idols. And so let's say that we examine our lives, right. And we, Mm -hmm. we find like, like the Lord, the Holy spirit, you know, kind of prompts in our hearts and kind of, you know, leads us and, and makes us aware of, you know what, this is something in my life where I know that I've made this a higher priority over the Lord. I know I've, you know, uh, I've made this thing or this this person. That's also possible. A person can become an idol as mm-hmm. well if we put that as a higher priority over the Lord, you know. And so let's say the Holy Spirit reveals to us and kind of shows us and makes us aware of this thing that we've made an idol our, in our lives. The Lord wants us to repent of that with his help to come to him, to repent of that idol, repent of that sin, to ask for his forgiveness and receive his grace, and then to move forward and seek after him wholeheartedly. And and then it's not something that we can do on our own, right? That has to be, it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to do that. Right. And one other little aspect I wanted to focus on, on, on this idea of idolatry and, you know, and worshiping something other than the Lord that, is, that becomes an idol we find in Isaiah 46, 7, that says, They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it, they set it in its place, and it stands there. But it cannot move from its place. <laughs> if one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. So that's another reason we find where we the Lord does not want us to turn to these other idols because they're not real. Right. right? They're not living. They're not breathing. They're not alive. They're not even real. They're not gods. Yeah. Right. They can't it's really a, do anything for you. Absolutely, yeah. So it's like when you when we we rebel against God and we disobey and we turn to these other things, you know, when life our life seems to be when trouble hits and our world seems to be crumbling around us, those things can't help us. Those things can't save us. And the Lord knows that, and so He was like, He's like, no, turn to Me. I am your, you know, fortress. I'm your rock. I'm, you know, I'm the one who can save you and help you. And so He that's another just another uh, simple example of why we why the Lord does not want us to turn to idols. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think as we were kind of talking and and preparing for this, well, you did most of the preparing, um, but um, I remember one of the things that you were saying. I think you said something along the lines of like we could spend like uh, in like an infinite amount of time studying worship and never really be able to cover all of what that encompasses. Right. So, I mean, you can you can say that better than I can. No, no, no. No, exactly what you're talking about is, is so true is that when we think about the idea of worshiping the Lord, 
there's nothing, there's no amount of, I could spend all day talking about this. We could, we could spend literally an eternity talking about and studying and trying to learn more about worshiping the Lord and what that means and all of the details of that. We could spend an eternity trying to know, to learn more about that, about what it means to worship the Lord. And we would never, you know, know all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. We would never because like so, you know, in eternity, when once when one day when we get to heaven, right, we're going to spend an eternity, you know, worshiping the Lord and still not know everything about it. And so. Right. Which is an, it's, it's a crazy thought to think, but it's but it's true. And so worship is um, we'll never it's not an exhaustive list. You know, there's no we'll never hit, you know, the bottom as far as how much we can learn about worshiping the Lord and what he mm-hmm. wants us to know about worshiping him. So you gave us. Two definitions for worship. One you said was a little bit more broad, and one you said was a little bit more of a like a zoomed in view of worship. Um, so, if you don't mind, like, just can you break down what those what those kind of look like for us? How worship relates to us as the believer throughout the week? Sure, I love to. So it's a yeah, just again, focusing like like you just talked about on that zoomed in, really detailed perspective of what it means to worship the Lord throughout the mm-hmm. week. So, yes, our whole lives and everything we do should work should be to worship God, but we also anticipate the assembly of God's people on Sunday for corporate worship with mm-hmm. other believers. And when we look forward to that, it's something that we should be preparing for for that time. We should be preparing throughout the week for that. Mm-hmm. And so when we come now, I want, I want to focus on like, we're talking about believers, right? Individual believers. Right. So when we come to Sunday worship, to corporate worship, yes, the worship team and the worship leader, the the pastor, all of, all of those people who serve on staff in a, in a local church, they, it is their responsibility, right? To, mm-hmm. uh, to lead others in worshiping the Lord and to, to preach God's word. And that is absolutely part of their, you know, responsibility as as a church leadership mm-hmm. there. But at the same time, as individual believers, it is not. We shouldn't have this mentality as believers to come to worship with this consumerism attitude, this consumer consumerism right. mentality. Meaning that, okay, I'm going to come to worship today. What can I get out of it? What's in it for me today? Mm-hmm. And the worship is primarily and ultimately about God. It is mm-hmm. not about us. Mm-hmm. So we look at that, and we have to have an understanding is that we come to we come to worship to glorify the Lord, not for what we can get out of it. Right. But at the same time, I don't I don't want us to th- forget that you know that does not that doesn't mean that we don't get anything out of it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that that shouldn't be our focus. That shouldn't be our primary goal and objective when we come to worship the Lord on Sunday. And so, for example, like as far as you know, for us getting something out of it, one of the, the, I guess you could say the results of when we are genuinely worshiping the Lord and authentically worshiping Him, one of the results is going to be like the Holy Spirit is going to, you know, be speaking to us, speaking to our hearts, you know, and that He's going to be either He might convict us of maybe of sin that we have in our life that we're not mm-hmm. aware of. He might encourage likely we he will encourage us in our walk in our relationship with the Lord and how we can know him more and grow in our relationship and walk with him more mm-hmm. so when we when we and there's also a time of it's it's a time of refreshment too so you know when we're genuinely worshiping the Lord and giving him glory and giving him you know our 
our our best praise and our best worship, right? It's there's definitely going to be some results that happen there just because you know the Holy Spirit will will work that in us. Absolutely. Right? So it's not that we don't get anything out of it. It's just we have to keep it in the proper perspective of knowing, you know, we come to give glory to the Lord because it is about Him first and foremost. <laughs> right. God you know? is God and we are not. Exactly. Exactly. But at the same time, He does still desire to have that relationship with us. Right. And another, just a little nuance to that as well is that w- when we talk about worship, I want to, you know, one thing we find in Scripture is that we worship the Lord and we we think of, so we just talked about some of the results, right, that come mm-hmm. from genuinely worshiping the Lord. We it's, we shouldn't think of it as something that is, you know, okay, I'm going to give the Lord my best and therefore he's going to give this to me, right? So that's right. another another danger we have to, you know, be careful of and, and, not, and not delve into that or, you know, it, because we have to remember that we don't worship the Lord to you know, merit favor with him or to gain favor mm-hmm. with him, right? If we're believers in Christ, when the moment we were converted, the moment we were saved in Christ, he declared us as righteous by the by the blood of Christ. So mm-hmm. by by his power and by his blood, we are declared righteous and God views us, you know, as com, you know, completely forgiven, clean, justified because of Jesus and what he did on the cross and his sacrifice on the cross. So when he sees us, he see, he sees Jesus and his sacrificial blood. So we don't when we worship the Lord, Absolutely. it's not something that we, you know, it's not something that we we do because we want to earn favor with God. He doesn't mm-hmm. love us any more any less, but we we worship him because he first loved us. We worship him as a as a result of what he has already done for us mm-hmm. and in us. So it's a, a mentality of like, you know, this is what the Lord has done in my life. Therefore, I'm going to worship him because of what he's done in my life. It's an attitude of thanksgiving. Right, right. And kind of going back to what you were, um, what you mentioned at the very beginning, this is a big difference between Christian worship and other forms of worship. At the very beginning, you were talking about worship in a very broad sense, not just Christian worship. Um but one of the big hallmarks of Christian worship, as you were saying, is we don't we don't worship the Lord in order to earn favor with Him, as you will see in many other in, in many other religions, and even in the in the in the pagan idolatry that that you were talking about um, that you might may have seen in 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 like the days of of, of that. Christ and the disciples were walking the earth, um, where people will, you know, beseech this, uh, whether it's this idol or this, um, or some kind of karma or some kind of force or something like that. That's that's not what that's not what our worship as 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 Christian believers is about. It's 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 about what Christ has done in and, and through our lives. And uh, the fact that he has redeemed us and the fact that uh, he, he desires to have a relationship with him. And so we are worshiping him because we are thankful uh, and because we do want to take part in, in, that, in that relationship with the Lord. Right. No, absolutely. What, everything you were just talking about is, is so true. And so now with that in mind, let's, let's go ahead and look at Okay, what what does it mean to be preparing for corporate worship on Sunday? What does that mean to look? What does that mean to prepare for that during the week? Hmm. So to start off, we one of the things that we do to prepare for corporate worship on Sunday is that we spend time the, with the Lord each day in prayer. 
So that's, mm. that's important as well is that we spend time each day, you know, in our relationship with the Lord, we're talking to the Lord, we're listening to him and what he kind of leads us and prompts our hearts to, to do. And so, and so we're spending time with him in his presence, spending time with him, you know, praying to him and talking with him and also listening with him. And so another aspect is reading God's word each day. So we're spending time in his word from, you know, studying his word uh, from an, also from a devotional aspect. So we're reading his word to, to, you know, see, okay, what is God speaking to me through his word today? Mm -hmm. Right. So we, we, we want to know God more, right? We want to prepare for Sunday. We want to know him more and grow in our relationship. So we, uh, we spend time in his word because that is his, so the Bible is our, you know, that's kind of. Uh, that is his kind of his, his love letter to his people, to right. his children, right? So, we if we want to know God more, we've got to read what He wrote for us. We got to read what He has written and given to us uh, to to read about Him, to know Him more, and to to study study those aspects, and to just you know again know Him, know His heart more. Right? Yeah, I think. I can't remember who it was. It may have been my youth pastor, but someone told me a long time ago. It's like you know, prayer is basically us talking to God and reading reading the Bible, reading scripture is God talking back to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, th- I think that's definitely true. And But he, I think he also can, you know, I would say... It's a know, little bit more than that. Yeah, but. No, no, absolutely. And I'm saying, like, so probably nine times out of ten, mm-hmm. the Lord is probably not going to speak to us in an audible voice. Right. Now, I'm not saying that it can't happen because we know that with the Lord, all things are possible. He can do the right. impossible. But primarily, you know, in the... You know, in the the New Testament age, right? So in the church age, which mm-hmm. you know, after Christ ascended back to heaven, we primarily find that the Lord pr- pretty much he primarily speaks through His Word, through right. Scripture, and right. that's His, you know, uh, basically His primary way of you know of communicating with us. And so, but that's why mm-hmm. it's also so important that we study His Word each day, Absolutely. so we can know, okay, what is the Lord trying to teach me today? What is He right. wanting me to know more about Him today? And so. Again, so we have prayer, we have reading the Bible, reading God's Word each day, spending time with Him in that. And then another one, and this is one, again, we don't like to talk about a lot, but it's it can be very beneficial, and it's something that we should do, like we need to do it, and mm-hmm. that is confession. Right. And that has to do with, okay, let's say that we're spending time with the Lord throughout the week, right? And there is there comes a point where... The, the Lord is kind of bringing to our minds and our hearts something in our life where we're like, you know what? I know this is, I'm talking about known sin, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, so the Lord kind of prompts our hearts and our minds and we think of, he kind of re- makes us aware of some sin in our life where we know it's like, you know what? I have disobeyed the Lord in this area. I've been running from the Lord. I've been disobeying the Lord and s- sinning against him with this. And I'm not really, you know, I'm not in right fellowship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like I should be like this. We, I need to get this taken care of. And so if he, so let's say we're going throughout the week and he reveals that to us and makes us aware of that. So we should spend that time during the week to confess those sins to the Lord, to repent of those sins with his help. Mm-hmm. And to uh, to re- ask for his forgiveness and his grace, mm-hmm. and to, and then to receive that forgiveness, and then to and again to move, like we talked about a little bit earlier, just move forward, you know, with w- 
what the what the Lord wants us to, what He's trying to work in our lives and do in our lives. So, and then we mm. move forward from that. So that we take time during the week to when the Lord brings those known sins to our life to go mm. ahead and to confess those to Him and to receive His forgiveness, to repent of them, and then uh, then move forward with the Lord. What the Lord wants to do in our lives. Absolutely. Just as a as a quick aside, um, so as uh, as 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 believers as 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 Baptists. You know, we we do believe in the priesthood of the believer, and so, and I'm sure you you testify to this too, Matthew. Yes. But yeah. um, you know, when we talk about confession, we're not talking about you know you don't have to go to a specific person uh, to to confess your sins as at like a, a specific physical per like a specific clergy member or something like that. Uh, you know what Matthew's talking about? What we're talking about is you know when when you're doing your prayer time when you're doing your bible study uh, you know you can you can confess your sins to the lord on your knees at your bedside or you can confess your sins to the lord uh in a prayer as you're driving to work in the morning you know you you can you know your relationship with the lord as a believer that is that is something that is between you and you and God, and and you don't have to go through somebody in order to confess these sins and in order to be made right. Now, I will say that you know it, it can be helpful. I mean, it is good to you know have other believers that you're friends with that can help hold you accountable. But God does not require you to you, like you don't have to pull Brett aside and and confess your sins to him and or and and have his blessing to right. be forgiven. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not something you don't have to go through a person. Uh when when Christ was when Christ died on the cross, uh it, you know, it says that the veil was torn in two symbolizing, you know, that veil between us and the Lord was broken. So you can go directly to him in confession. Absolutely. And just to to add on to what you were already talking about, um specifically about, you know, Jesus dying on the cross and that, mm-hmm. that curtain being torn in two. In the Old Testament, we find that the way it got set it up at that point was that you had the tabernacle. Right. And it consisted of three main parts, one being the outer courtyard, which is where the general population, the people would come to make mm-hmm. their offerings and their sacrifices to the Lord. Right. And then you had the the first inner layer, I guess you could say, of the mm-hmm. tabernacle, which is called the holy place. Right. And then the the third and the most the central part of the tabernacle was the holy of holies right. or the most holy place is what it was called and once a year the high priest and only the only high priest only once a year yeah and only once a year right could go into the holy of holies and and could make atonement for or could you know or seek God's forgiveness for the sins of the people and before he could even do that he had to make atonement for his own sins he had to right. you know uh, repent and uh, seek the Lord's forgiveness for his own sins. And, and he had to sacrifice an animal. And, you know, that was part of the, the practice back then that the mm-hmm. Lord set up. And so even before he could go into the Holy of Holies, he had to, uh, he had to, you know, take care of, he had to seek the Lord for forgiveness for his own sins. And then right. he could go in and make uh, atonement and he could seek the Lord's forgiveness for the sins of the people. Right. right. And so fast forward to the New Testament, all of that points to Jesus. Right. Being our high priest and one that is not temporary but forever, and so he, the, the whole book of Hebrews is about that. And so, mm-hmm. um, when you, yeah, just like you were, you know, presenting earlier was that when we think about it for a minute, you know, that Jesus when he died on that cross, that that curtain tore from top to bottom, meaning mm-hmm. that it had to be God who had to, you know, tear down that that wall. He had that God had to be the one to, you know, to do away 
with that barricade of right. that curtain's torn in two. Now every believer, every person who is saved and placed their faith and trust Christ, trust in Christ, has direct access to God, um, and has does not have to go to a person or a specific place to worship the Lord. Every person now has direct access to God, and it's like it's so incredible to think about because when we <laughs> stop for a minute and think of the Creator of the universe, of the billions of stars and galaxies, you know, now we, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we have we can talk directly to Him and listen to His voice and His prompting and His you know um, will for our lives. All of that, like that's absolutely, it's just it's. Incredible to it think about. It is incredible. About. And so, yeah, absolutely. I just, you know, that's such a huge part of um, the the blessing and the privilege that we have to worship the Lord because of Jesus' mm-hmm. sacrifice. Absolutely. Yeah, and as you were talking um, just about preparing for worship throughout the week, you know, you mentioned prayer, you mentioned Bible study, you mentioned confession. I don't know if you have any, you if you have any more uh, that you were wanting to highlight, but, um, you know, it, it what immediately comes to my mind is you, you know, you're basically starting to list off the spiritual disciplines, right? Mm -hmm. You know, some of those others would be like, like scripture memory. And I know both our, our children and our youth departments, they do a lot, um, trying to, to encourage, um, our students to hide God's word in their hearts. And that's something that we as believers should all be doing. And, you know, another example would be, uh, would, would be fasting, and that's something that Pastor Brett recently led us. And as we were preparing for revival earlier this year, um, so there are there are all many different ways that that we can worship the Lord uh, throughout the week, uh, leading up until Sunday morning. And it's not just music, but it is all. But music is also a big part of that too, through worshiping the Lord in in, in song. And I don't want to take too much away from you, but no, you're good, you're good. So yeah, and just to kind of wrap up that. Um, that little last bit of this section, which is, you know, kind of preparing for Sunday worship throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Um, when we so when we engage in all of those in activities in those spiritual disciplines, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. what is that? What is that helping us to do? What is that allowing us to do? What is God, you know, helping us to do when we, when we engage in those uh, in obedience to those spiritual disciplines? That what it helps us to do is that when we come on Sunday morning, not that mm-hmm. we have it all together, right? Because we don't. Right. But when we come on Sunday morning. It allows us to give our best worship absolutely to the Lord. it allows us to it's it's like we have a you know there's a peace that we have mm-hmm. you know and Lord and knowing that we and again not that not that God loves us any more any less but that we you know we have um, we've just spending time like dear time with him throughout mm-hmm. the week and so there's that uh, we come to him on Sunday and we give him our best worship for what he's been you know, teaching us throughout the week what he's been helping us to grow in our relationship with him throughout the week. So that's kind of the one of the the best results, or one of the most uh, the, one of the greatest results of just that time that we've spent with him mm-hmm. during the week. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's all really good stuff. Uh, so we've talked a lot uh, just in this episode about preparing for worship, what it looks like to worship the Lord uh, with our lives throughout the week. And we still have to talk about what it looks like to worship the Lord on Sunday morning. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of wrap up this episode and kind of leave you on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, but we will continue on with our next episode looking at 
Sunday morning worship and and, and what that looks like. Uh, So thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will look forward to having you all back for the next one. This concludes today's episode of Sword and Spirit. If you like this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our future content. Also, be sure to check out our website, fbcbsl.org, for more news and information on everything going on in our church. That's all for today. Until next time, bye. Bye.